The following program contains strong language and is intended only for mature audiences. goes out to you and you and you this podcast goes out to all of you and you and you and even you you rain on the top with short like leprechauns as they crush so-called willies thugs and rapidons get in that ass quick fast like ramadan it's the rap phenomenon don dada fuck papa you got to call me Francis M.H. White intake like totes and tote iron. With hold in shootouts, stay low and keep firing. Keep extra clips for extra shit. Who's next to flip on the cat with that grip on rep? The most shady. Frank, baby. Ain't no telling where it may be. May see me in D.C. at Howard Homecoming with my man Capone dumb and fucking something. You should know my CeeLo went from 10 G's per blow to 30 G's a show to all G's with hoes I've never seen before. So, Jesus, get off the notorious penis before I squeeze and bust. If the beef between us, we can settle it with the Coleman Meadows shit. I make it hot like a kettle get. You're delicate. You better get who sent you. You sell pedal shit. I got more rides than great adventures. Biggie. How are you going to do it? Kick in the door, wave in the 4-4 All you heard was Papa, don't hit me no more Kick in the door, wave in the 4-4 All you heard was Papa, don't hit me no more Uh, uh, uh Rest in peace Notorious B.I.G Ladies and gentlemen This your boy Jay, a.k.a. J.C., a.k.a. Jay Caesar, a.k.a. Law T, a.k.a. The Hip Hop Taliban Get Off My Lawn podcast is back in full effect, and we are here celebrating Frank White, Notorious B.I.G., Brooklyn's finest, so it only makes sense that we have in the house the professor. A.B., where you at? Peace, peace, peace. What's up, people? Glad to be back. Yeah, man. And you, you leaned in with like... One of my favorite big tracks ever. 
because he got loose on that and your man was like <laughs> now you're brailing it he was like watch why i throw bleach in your eye now you're brailing i was like oh <laughs> right oh it is it's crazy that it's been like 20 years man that was 20, 20 years man the New York Daily News had a really good photo essay on their website about his life and the circumstances of the murder. It's been 20 years. The murder has never been solved. Right. And his impact on hip hop has been pretty indelible because his flow was so intricate, right? Yeah. And he was able to switch up flows and adapt the type of style that was appropriate to the beat that he was riding. Like he was really dexterous with his flow. Um, so it was a major loss. And I remember, you know, we were in, a matter of fact, I think you had graduated. Yeah. I was still at the Q's and I got a call that morning from my mom. And my mom told me what happened. And then right after that, I get a call from DJ Dirty Rat. Damn. And DJ Dirty Rat was like, yo son, they killed Biggie. Yeah. And it was crazy, right? Because, you know, like me and Dirty Rat were cool, but he had never called me before. <laughs> right, right. And so, you know, this was something that was so mind-boggling. People were scrambling, like, yo, I need to call somebody. And everybody knew I was from Brooklyn. Yeah. So like, yo, son, they killed Biggie, <clears throat> son. And I'm like, dang. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's, been, it's been 20 years. It's wild because, well, a couple of things. I knew... Like when I used to uh, work the newspaper, right. we had a photographer, and she was at the party, um, and she actually took the last picture of Biggie alive. It was, I think, it's like him and Puffy, like standing. So she there. was at the vibe after party. Yeah, and so she took the wow. picture. Wow. Like, um, so she took the picture. Then he got killed. So it was one of those things where she was kind of a one of those celebrity photographers. Uh, you just you yeah, know sure. go to events, red carpet, snap a picture. Hey, sure. Thing. So had he not been killed shortly thereafter, it would have just been kind of like a throwaway picture. But because of the yeah. circumstances, it was like a huge thing. And so suddenly she had this picture, the last one of him alive, but she was like an amateur like just kind of getting in the business she didn't know how to go about like monetizing it and oh no restricting usage and things like that so we eventually put her in contact with uh this guy bill jones who was kind of like goes back to the old jet ebony he was one of the, like the main photographers for them back in the day and mm -hmm. he helped her get it straightened out but i still don't think that she really um maximized uh her potential profit i guess from that picture which would clearly be the uh most famous or infamous picture that uh i'm sure she's ever taken but and what you just said is straight hip-hop <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> everything you just said is straight hip-hop that uh, she had this you know, an important photograph, but somehow manages to get jerked <laughs> right. for her paper. <laughs> yeah. You know, everything about that is hip hop, unfortunately. 
Yeah, because I think she, I think what the mistake she made, the main mistake, was she took, um, she took an upfront, she sold it to somebody, AP or who, People Magazine, whoever. But she didn't have anything in the document to restrict the usage mm-hmm. so that it eventually reverted back to her possession. And mm-hmm. so every year, any time a biggie story would come up, especially when the LA Times had all these articles about who killed Pac and Biggie and East Coast, West mm-hmm. Coast, they would use that photo all the time. And she right. just wasn't getting paid. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing about hip hop, right? Like you were either jerking somebody else or you were getting jerked. Right. And, and it yeah. caught her. And that's terrible. Like I had a student in my office today and we were talking about sampling because uh-huh. I was playing a, a SoundCloud mix, a tribute mix to Clyde Stubblefield. And she didn't Damn. know who Clyde Stubblefield was. Okay. Down to her, his role as a drummer for James Brown. And right. this tribute mix starts out with different James Brown tracks and, you know, beat, beat breaks with Clyde Stubblefield putting in work. And yeah. then it goes from the original tracks to all the, the records that sampled it. Damn. And she's listening and she's like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. She's like, did he get paid for that? And I'm like, yeah, the 1980s were crazy. And people right. were just using people's music with impunity and they weren't getting paid. And so I broke down and heard a whole James Brown full force, no static track. I'm like, that was James Brown's clapback right. against Sampling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, like, yeah, no, yeah, how yeah, you yeah, yeah. respect me? Yeah, so she had no idea, and I'm like, yeah, that was early hip hop. Um, people just doing what they did, and this was before clearing samples and everything else. Right. So I'm breaking down to her, like, yeah, you know, for your generation, you hear Kendrick Lamar, so, and yeah. there's that Osley Brothers sample, the lady. I'm like, you know how much bread they had to fork up to the Osley Brothers to use that track? Yeah. But yeah. the difference between Kendrick Lamar now and people back then. Kendrick Lamar is being backed by, you know, Dre and Eminem. They can put up the money up front. Exactly. But yeah. other people can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> and I because... said that was the genius of cash money because they weren't sampling. They were making their own beats. Right. And if you're making your own beats, you don't have to pay anyone else. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's, I mean, even speaking of Biggie, because the original pressing of uh, Ready to Die samples, they got, they got, yanked off because I think in maybe it was like Machine Gun Funk um, they used a sample that hadn't been cleared and there was a dispute so at least for a while uh, they had to put out another version with I believe that's the song but one of the songs was omitted just for mm-hmm. that specific reason and uh, it's like nowadays trying to get that first Sparrow Mont solo album oh yeah we get that F up they didn't get the sample clear for Godzilla. Exactly. It's like it doesn't exist, man. Like, if you didn't get that back when it first came out, you're not going to get it. Right. You're done. <laughs> Stop asking. So, yeah. So, for your, for your, you know, your homegirl to get jerked for that photo, not only do you have a moment in hip hop history, you know, you got trucked like people in hip hop got trucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great. I mean, because. James Brown, the one that kills me is George Clinton, because arguably, without James Brown and, you know, his sort of circle of musicians, mm-hmm. out, and 
similarly James uh, Brown, James Fred Brown. Wesley, and the JBs. Yeah, and then you also add in throwing George Clinton and his fear right. of musicians. And George Clinton didn't get paid for it. I mean, he doesn't even own the rights. I mean, he's always right. constantly in court against some entity, and it's it's crazy that in you know that's capitalism. You create some shit and well, don't cross your eyes and cross your eyes. Listen now, to me. now I will say this, right? Like hip hop in the mid to late '90s started to smarten up. Like you know, people like Ice Cube were ahead of the curve, and so you know, there's the notorious deal that broke up N.W.A. And they basically handed these brothers, you know, a boatload of cash, more cash than they'd ever seen in their lives, and asked them to sign a terrible contract. And Cube was like, yeah, something's not right about this. Well, people weren't that business savvy back in the day, and so most people got jerked. You know, fast forward to the late 90s, people started to understand the importance of owning their publishing rights so that they could continue to own their words. Yeah. People started making their own beats so that they wouldn't have to go through the sample clearances, right? Like people got a lot savvier about the business of music production and understood that their products weren't just disposable, but these were things that had value and ought to be protected. So you go from that to now having to do like Chance the Rapper, like, listen, um, I don't need a label. Right. I can still get my music out and I can still make paid and have total control over what it is that I'm doing. You know, like yeah. it's the complete evolution of the industry. Yeah. And see that's and I think one. this is something that somebody like Jay Dilla foresaw. Like Dilla Dilla near the end of his life, like somebody asked him, like, hey, if I'm if I'm trying to get put on, what do I need to do? And he's like, Don't go to the label, go independent, put it on the internet. Yeah. But it's see that's the thing that I, I really do give the south credit for is the business Mm -hmm. aspect and just taking control and sort of either creating new lanes or circumventing the old lanes and Mm -hmm. i mean that's hip-hop too just (laughs) doing what you got to do to keep more paper in your pocket and so whether we're talking about two short selling tapes out of the trunk or master p and that whole conglomerate he had down there you know i wasn't a fan of the music but business wise no i can't i enough respect all the way around your man took your man took a ten thousand dollar inheritance and turned it into a music empire it's funny man because you know as a as a scholar i teach courses in african-american studies i teach introduction to african-american studies and you know we always go through this period in the semester where we're dealing with the american civil war and you always had those confederates that would say the south will rise again yeah, they had no idea it would be through black people and hip hop music. Right, right. Because when we follow the regional dominance within hip hop, you know, New York City had its day and it's gone, right? Yeah. Los Angeles, the West Coast had its day and it's it's gone. Yeah. The South now having a stranglehold on hip hop for 20 years. And so much so that even if you look at an artist like ASAP Rocky, Mm-hmm. He sounds like a dude from down south. He's from Harlem. Yeah. yeah. But you see the southern hip hop culture all over him. But every once in a while, you'll get a cat that breaks through. Like, um, you know, there's this young cat on the scene now named Nick Grant. Mm-hmm. He's from South Carolina. He's coming out of Atlanta. And, you know, that kid is nice. You know, that kid is nice. Like, um, he was like um, cut from Biggie's coochie sweater cloth. Oh, shit. <laughs> 
X Damn. marks the spot. You better hope we never cross. Like, you know, this Damn. young dude has bars, right? And he sounds like a different kind of rapper. And you could tell he was nurtured on a steady diet of the good stuff, not the BS. Yeah. Oh, the, the, the hotness is coming out of the South. The beats are coming out of the South. The production is coming out of the South. And they've had a two decade long stranglehold on, on the industry. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I definitely see that. And it's it's in, interesting because, like, I've maintained for years now that with the internet, if you really want to find hip-hop, it's all over. Like, people send me links mm -hmm. to things all the time, and who the people are, I can't necessarily tell you off the top of my head, but they're from all over, all over the world. Yeah, and it's yeah like, all over the world. Like with the internet, you get that influence. You're not just uh, subject to what you can get your hands on in the local store or what's playing on the radio. And so, mm -hmm. like I, I push back against that argument. Oh, hip hop is that? No, hip hop is very much alive. Like the radio is still mm -hmm. the radio, and that's mm -hmm. always going to be that. But if you really like, I'm not worried about it. Despite uh, some of the overtones on this show, sometimes I'm not really really worried about hip-hop except to the extent that because of what the mainstream is it's defining for people who don't know kids who don't right. know what hip-hop is and that's right. where i'm like uh however yeah, but <laughs> no go ahead now if you get on your grind you can use things like soundcloud to get your music out to the people. And it's funny, man, because one of the most memorable things that happened recently was done for a joke. I think I might've told you about this. Hamburger Helper released the trap music mixtape. Hamburger Helper? And they put it on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hamburger Helper okay. is in that stuff you would get at the supermarket, you know, I mean, like straight yeah. up. Hamburger Helper put out a mixtape and it was the trap music. Uh -huh. And it was straight fire. Like people, it, it got this reception online. It was nuts. People were on Twitter making vines. Like, yo, um, why is the hamburger helper mixtape so fire that I got to play it and I got to stream it in my car to hear it on big speakers? <laughs> Wait, was it about the product? And it was all about hamburger helper. Wow. Wow. And dude was like, um, <laughs> 140 boxes like a tweet. Hamburger helper, all that I eat. <laughs> <laughs> like it was it it was straight up on some old Migos bad and bougie trap music type tip. Wow. It was on SoundCloud. They did it from joke and it caught fire. Wow. But put it online. And the dudes that made it were like, you know, some some independent artists that somehow came into contact with Hamburger Helper. It was it was really nuts, but it was it was blaze. It was blazing. Really? Hamburger Helper. I'll send it to you. <laughs> I mean, I'll I, send it to I you. see it right here on soundcloud.com slash hamburger helper. Hang, all right, I'm going to have to play a little bit of this to see what, what's happening here. Let's see. Hamburger Helper, the mixtape. Who'd have thunk it? Let's see. Uh, in, <laughs> one of the songs is called In Love with the Glove. <laughs> I'm playing in love with the glove. Let's see. 
phone's putting me to sleep a little bit. I'm gonna now you need to play way. feed the streets. Oh, yeah. you need to play feed the streets. All right, let's see. Food for that. Feed the streets. All right, here we go. That's how ubiquitous it. that hip hop has become. Like, I wow. don't think when we were kids, we could have imagined Hamburger Helper putting out a mixtape to hip hop, right? And so, you know, I go back to how you opened the show with Biggie. Like, like you have guys now, you know, guys and women now who are middle aged, yeah, who are in corporate America, who are in all of these different venues. And when they were in college or they were in high school, they were listening to Biggie. They were listening to Ready to Die. Right. You know how, like, as, as generations grow older, the things that they came up on all of a sudden start permeating the commercial popular culture. The Target, and you hear, like, TLC while you're shopping, and I'm like, you're like, yo, they're getting kind of fly. It's like, nah, B, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and they want to make you feel comfortable as a shopper, so they pay this stuff that you, your people like. Right. You know, so yeah, like we're at that place now where hip hop is being used by just about everyone to sell and move products. But yeah. those pioneers aren't necessarily getting paid like that in this moment. Um, everybody's not Jay Z, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Well, like, like I'm not into the trap music, but 
that if you had played that song for me alongside some of the other stuff that we've criticized in the past, I could have told no difference, except I would have thought this one's a little <laughs> more clever. And that's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't care what you're rapping about. Just be clever. Is it clever? That's, yes. usually, that's like my first thing. And when he said stroganoff beef. <laughs> right. Stroganoff right. beef. <laughs> I'm, whipping, Dude, I'm whipping the it's water. Like, it's like, you know, if I think about DJ Premier or or um, DJ Pete Rock and the way that they've critiqued some of this generation of rappers. Yeah. The critique, some of it is not just about, you know, old dudes screaming, get off my lawn at these young bucks who are now a movement. Yeah. It's really about like a decline in lyricism. Like, yes. dog, we can't understand you because you're on an auto-tune mumbling. Right. You know, you mumble-mouth rappers are not understood. And so that's why, you know, again, and I've said on your show before, you know, yeah, I'm a middle-aged dude, but I'm around young people all the time. Right. And they know I'm a hip-hop head. And so they'll share music with me from time to time. But when I heard Nick Grant, I'm like, okay, that young guy has talent, right? Yeah. You know, like, he's someone whose music is going to make a mark, I think, because the level of lyricism is far greater than a lot of the stuff that you'll come around now. And then every once in a while, you'll see some of these other younger cats like Big Crit or Big Sean, and they'll get on the track and they'll destroy it. But you can hear them, right? And I look at them in a way differently than I look at somebody like Future. Half the time, it's hard for me to understand what Future is saying. And I don't know if that's because of the mumble mouth um, auto-tune or the coding. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> True that. Well, even on the in the the last episode, when we were talking about the De La Soul album, and they got two chains on a song, and right. he came through and spit like it might be one of those things where, when you're in certain company, you know you need to adjust yourself you accordingly. Elevate. Yeah, and he mm -hmm. came through, and it's like, you know, I uh, suppose that wouldn't fly with his audience, but. Mm -hmm. It it shows, and like we talked with Young M.A. about her mm -hmm. a while back, that mm -hmm. she clearly is capable of doing better, in my opinion. But they concede to what the market is uh, set in a tune to expect, and... That's oh, it's I like mean, the OJs. Guys, to give the people what they want, right? Yeah, I, yeah. So, or, <laughs> so they give the people what they want, but yeah. Um, but Two Chains is one of those guys, man. When I've heard him, like when you get Two Chains on No Problems with Chance, he brings it. You know, he brings it, and you know, in Chance's music, there's there's a very clear infusion of gospel music right like it's oh yeah it's like gospel trap music right and so it's really clear so you listen to a track like two like um no problems and your man two chains like um i'm high captain <laughs> i i captain <laughs> i'm so high me and god laughing this my blessing this my passion i, I took night classes yeah you know he he brings it and, and what's crazy is that he brings it in a way that's Similar to the way that the chant spits, right? Right. Like I, I, I don't hear two chains talking about God like that on tracks. Yeah. But he's like, yo, I know who I'm working with, so I know what I got to do. And so, yeah, he's someone that that has 
under the right circumstances, a level of lyricism is really impressive. But you got to get him on the right track with the right people. Yeah. But And there was a point where he was that dude where if you invited him on the track, you had to step up because you didn't want to get slaughtered on your own track. Yeah. <laughs> but see, that's the thing. It goes back to like what we were talking about in the different influences and corporate influence and blah, blah, blah. Because back in the day when, I don't know, when... When, when somebody was hot, like let's say Hammer. Hammer was selling tons of albums, had the mainstream appeal, had the radio on lock. But other artists didn't bend to the Hammer style. But, right. you know, different day, different age. And uh, as for Chance, I've mentioned, I think I told Drake, I haven't listened to his um, most recent albums. The, the one when I first heard of him um, Acid Rap and mm-hmm. that's in my top mm, 15 all time and even the intro for this show that the music that plays is taken from one of the songs uh, on that album and just slow down a bit but mm-hmm. yeah he's definitely somebody I think I'm hesitant to listen to his newer stuff because I don't want to be disappointed but that's a ridiculous way to uh conduct my life as a hip-hop fan you gotta give it a chance man yeah but you gotta give it a chance even if you end up like outcasts talk about kind of sour because my favorite group ain't coming coming with with it anyway but anyhow when (laughs) when i got it because i hope that it would be slamming you know you might be disappointed but you you gotta give it a chance yeah i will because like if you look at because like i'm saying man like there's some people they still bring it like Like Daylock. Yeah. Daylock been in the industry for almost 30 years, man, and yeah. Daylock will still bring it. Yes. Because Stakes, three, three, uh, three Feet High and Rising was 89. Right. It's 2017, man, and they're still putting out music, and they're yeah. still dope. And the crazy part, <laughs> bringing this around, is that the whole reason Stakes is High wasn't on iTunes and Spotify and all that stuff is because the sample clearance and right. they just went buck wild with it back when it was the wild west on samples but trying to put it out now there's so many different people they would have to pay to clear all those Dude, samples they can't do Chicago, it Chicago Barry Manilow like like I was I was talking to this same student today and I'm like listen um even though my parents were very much into music my my deeper introduction to different genres of music was facilitated by hip hop. Right. And so I was telling her, like, you know, I love um MSFB. Oh yeah. Or, I mean uh, MF MFSB. And she was like, Mother what is father, that? I was like, sister, well, brother. Or, you know, Mickey Flicky Sons of Matches. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but yep. I'm like, you had these dudes out of Philadelphia, and Philadelphia doesn't get enough love as a city that's made great music for yeah. a really long time, right? From from that band to, you know, Gamble and Huff, Boys the Men, you know, to Teddy Teddy um Pentagraphs and, you know, that crew. Yeah. To Amel LaRue, like Jill Scott, Jaguar, like Philadelphia's put out some music, right? But them dudes, you know, Love is the Message Part Two. Mm-hmm. They were funky, right? Oh yeah. And you know who put me on the Love is the Message? Nope. The Jungle Brothers. 
Oh, shit. The Jungle Brothers sampled that record for, um, for, um, Do What You Like, or Do What You Want. Yeah. And it's like, doom, 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 doom. Yeah, you could just take stuff back in the day, and it right. went right, but yeah, you, you can't, you can't get it now. Yeah. It's just not gonna happen now. And I, <clears throat> I looked it up, and Ready to Die, yeah, it was Machine Gun Funk and Gimme the Loot that, mm-hmm. uh, they had samples that they didn't clear, and Bad Boy ended up paying. They got a four point two million uh, dollar judgment against them. They got knocked down to two point eight million. Then later on, uh, they got sued for some other uh, sample usage in that. So what happened is all versions of the album that were released after the lawsuit don't have the uh, disputed samples so mm-hmm. since i have the originals you know i i'm gonna need to go back and look and listen and see what machine gun funk sounds like because it probably just doesn't have that opening guitar yeah and, and i'll say this um when you look at somebody like slide a family stone people are still settling lawsuits with them over music that they made that got sampled and they didn't get paid. Yeah. And it's 2017. It's been a long time. And they're still settling. And then on on the other side, there was a like we, we think of Clyde Stubblefield as the most sampled musician in hip hop, but mm. it's actually someone else. Um and there was a story recently, I think it was in the LA Times, where someone went online and they were like, yeah, because they didn't own the masters and everything else, they never got a dime. And his is the most sampled instrument or most sampled like beat break in hip hop history. Yeah. Somebody created a GoFundMe where they raised money for the guy and they ended up giving him a check for like, you know, 20, 25 grand. And it was the first time he'd gotten money for what he did. And his contribution to hip hop is, is like tremendous. Because yeah. there's so many people that have sampled those tracks. Um, so, yeah, yeah man, um, early pioneers got jerked all around. The, the hip-hop artists got jerked because they didn't get paid the way they should have gotten paid. The people they sampled got jerked because they didn't get paid the way they should have got paid. Right. And, you know, the landscape was it, was, it was really the wild, wild west. Yeah. Well, have you seen, I just, I know it's been on there for a while, but I just got around to watching the first part of it. Um on Netflix, it's this documentary called Hip Hop Evolution. And it's, no, I have not. I'll put it on my list. Yeah, it's got like four parts, but the first part is, um, it's dope. They have the host is this rapper Shad, who's out of Canada, and he had some dope songs. And I was always wondering, like, whatever happened to him? And he's on there talking to, you know, talking to the the uh, usual suspects Herc, Bambada, mm-hmm. Flash uh, Red Alert but it's it's interesting what you mentioned earlier about how the people who are now in positions to make decisions and green light certain projects grew up on hip hop so whether or not you're talking about the that documentary that uh, Dre was a part mm-hmm. of that was on BET or mm-hmm. some of the stuff this hip hop evolution and there's another one that I Dude, saw. These are Jay Z doing a documentary on Khalif Browder, the kid that ended up um, killing himself, who served all this time in Rikers, 
and never went to was never tried never convicted but he ends up being beaten and molested in Rikers Island and then later kills himself you know hip-hop's bringing you that documentary and taking that story national and international yeah and that's I mean that's the thing is that you know you can see the hip-hop influence everywhere whether it's the you know spur of the moment kind of commercial fly-by-night stuff that we hear you know the styles that the kids are wearing now whatever or now you know you have people like we said green lighting projects that projects that clearly have a hip-hop influence and that's i mean hey what more wildlife.com <laughs> right so why we are here Today is because in the last episode of the podcast, East Coast Dre and I um, sort of went on a side road and somehow got into a discussion about who has the best hip-hop catalog. And as we started to discuss it, we quickly realized it was going to turn into a much, much longer debate and discussion and ultimately... What we decided to do is create the battle log, which is the battle of hip-hop catalogs. Now, spell it, tough guy. I haven't figured out how exactly I plan to spell it, but that's what it's going to be called, the battle log. And yeah, just make sure you own your stuff, right? You know, you got to try to trademark it. Right? I better get battlelog.com. Right now, before go. I drop this, before I put this uh, up on iTunes. Um, Own your ideas, homie. True that. Protect your ideas. That is true. I might have to, I have so many uh, website names registered, just in case. But <laughs> as, it, as it pertains to this, what we're going to do, being that it's uh, March, we got March Madness right around the corner. Is that we decided to create a tournament and have brackets. We're going to have 16 MCs or groups in the tournament. We're going to seed those MCs and groups. And then in the next episode, we're going to start to battle it out. Catalog versus catalog. Who goes to the next round? But this is our bracketology edition where we have to decide who makes the cut, who makes the cut, who doesn't make who's the cut. Who's on the bubble, who's on the bubble. Right, who's going to the NIT. Last four in, last four out. Yeah. So the way that it's going to work is we kind of have a loose list of names, and we're going to just start throwing them out and then discuss some of the pros and cons. Should they be in? Should they be out? Should they be a number one seed? But one of the things we did realize is that we have to figure out a way to kind of balance this out because if you have a group that's been around like a De La Soul for 30 years and they have a huge extensive catalog, let's say, for example, let's say we said, eh, De La Soul's got X number of albums. Let's say just round it up to 10. They've got 10 albums and two duds. 
Okay. Well, what if you have an MC who's got three albums and one dud? That's not fair. <laughs> I mean, so what do you think? How should we weigh it? If you have for every five albums, you're allowed one dud or three, one? I, I think that might be too high a standard, right? Because in baseball, if you're successful at the plate, three out of every 10 attempts, you're in the Hall of Fame. Right. In basketball, if you shoot, if you're a guard and you shoot 47% from the field, that means you're missing 53% of the time. <laughs> right, right. But that's still a good number. Yeah. If you're Steph Curry and you shoot 40% from three-point range, you're missing six out of every 10, but it's still a strong number, right? Yeah. So I don't say the bar is that low, but, you know, it's just human that sometimes you're just not going to have your best material. And we got to remember, um, artists are people and they go through drama. And like I look at a group like The Roots, The Roots has some time where if you name an album, Things Fall Apart, and you're a literate person and you are familiar with Chenoa Achebe's novel right. or William Butler Yeats's poem, The Second Coming, that's a really ominous title for an album. And unbeknownst to us, they were going through some stuff as individuals that obviously and clearly impacted their art. So every once in a while, yeah, you're going to put out a dud. But the thing is, I think the catalog, whether it's, you know, three, four albums or many more, you need to have many more hits than misses. And you need to have put out some, you know, consistent bangers over a sustained period of time, I think to make the cut as a top seed. But yeah. I think there's going to be room in the lower seeds where, you know, maybe you put out three albums and one was outstanding, one was eh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to be like my man Jay, you know. One was meh, the yeah. other was ill-matic. That's right. That's one hot album every 10-year average. I yeah, can do let's say, <laughs> Yeah, but right, but let's say that was Nas's only dope album. I still think he has to make the tournament, right? Because, like, I look at something like it was written. It was written has kind of aged well, and it was okay, but it was it wasn't anywhere close to Illmatic. No. But it still has some good music. Mm. It just wasn't Illmatic. It's, it's gonna be. See, this is gonna be interesting. So I guess we let's see if we can find some that we agree on straight away because. Um, and we don't have to get into in depth into the catalogs, but like you mentioned, uh, De La and mm -hmm. personally, I think based on the longevity, the consistency right. and the quality, I would put, I would put De La in consideration to be a number one seed. I could I could stand with that. Um, and the thing about Daylight that I've always found impressive, you know, when they came out with Three Feet High and Rising, you know, they were kind of put out there as the black hippies of hip hop. Right. And then they set that whole style on fire. Right. Divorced themselves from it and came out with Daylight's Dead with the broken daisy pot on the album cover. Yeah. And their new style, like their flow, the beats 
everything from that point forward was completely different and they still hit and it's really hard to introduce yourself to an audience one way and then with your very next project do a 180 and still be embraced by that audience yeah i don't know anybody else who's done it right and so even though daylight like three feet high and rising was a fun album but how radically different was the next prod? Daylight is Dead was mind-blowing. And then you follow that up with Balloon Mind State. And then Stakes is High. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's completely mind-blowing that you could make that kind of transition. And in doing so, become even more hip-hop. Yeah. So yeah, Daylight I think would would have earned a number one seed. Um, I look at a group like Outkast, and I yeah. look at them in a similar kind of way. Though they didn't, their style didn't didn't radically change so much as it evolved and matured. Yeah, they that I think yeah definitely Outkast because Southern Calif- California. <laughs> Yeah, you can't help yourself. <laughs> Southern playlist and Cadillac music was one way, and it was phenomenal. But then on the next album, AT Aliens. Oh man, they like. I thought I knew what to expect because, you know, hip hip hop acts are pretty consistent most of the mm-hmm. album to album, but with each album they just stepped it up and i remember i got an advanced copy of equimini when that came out and that was it like i listened to yeah. it and just knew like yeah. i haven't heard it anything was special like this. this is phenomenal you knew it was special so outcast clearly i think we're in agreement outcast is a number one seed uh you mentioned the roots and they have 12 albums at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that whole, aside from the fact Black Thought is just one of the my per, the greatest MCs. Uh, and somehow terribly underrated. Yeah. Somehow terribly underrated. But that dude, man. Yeah. Black Thought is a monster. And the fact that they have the live band gives them so much flexibility with their sound and what they can do that uh, they 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 might be hard to beat. I think the I think the Roots. I think I can pencil them in. And when I look at the Roots, even when they were going through tough times as a group, when you look at um, Malik B. Right. Yeah, Malik B. was going through it. Um, yeah. And when you have certain type of, when they start talking about drug problems and hip hop, they're not talking about weed. Right. You know, so Malik B went through it. But when you look at some of the projects that they put out, um, like the Tipping Point. Yeah. They were still fire on that album. Yeah. But they reemerged, like they got their feet up under them again. Like they made some, some solid music. But when they got to Game Theory, they oh, found yeah, their stride yeah. again as a band. Yeah, because Game Theory was amazing, man. Like Game Theory, they came out hard. You're like, yo, whoa, whoa. Yeah. You know, with the Joe Ski Love sample for Get Busy, like oh, the yeah, voice yeah. sample for the yeah. 
you know, my squad, half man drill, half Mandela, my band about 70 strong, just like Bella. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Part. Man. Well, then, you know, they, shortly after, they put out, um, man, what was it? They put out a set of albums. They put out an album that, that flowed like a novel. Yes, that's the one I'm thinking of. Their, their, yeah, their concept album. Was it Undone? Yeah. I think it was Undone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so then, so. and not just longevity, but creative. Right. Yeah, definitely. So the roots. All right. Let's see. Now. Um. This is when it starts to get hard. This is when it starts to get hard because we can only have, <clears throat> we can only have one more number one seed, and I think I would be remiss if I didn't bring up Jay Z because. Right. Regardless of my personal sort of qualms about his material, there's no denying really his his influence and his impact. Um, aside from, I mean, culturally, yes, but musically, you know what? It, you know, he's do, he's doing it. I don't, you know. You know, it, it was like I look at um. Cool Modi's book. Cool Modi had a book, you know, there's a God on the mic. Mm -hmm. And he was making an argument that there, you know, certain MCs, that their emergence signals a, a sea change right. in terms of hip hop lyricism, flow, construction, and everything else. Mm -hmm. And so he points to people like Rakim, you know, before Rakim, hip hop was like da 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 da. And here comes Rakim rhyming in multiple bars on the line. And so it's like, you know, it's Rakim and Big Daddy Kane, then it's Biggie. Um, and then it's Jay and people would talk about how he would just listen to the beat, go in the booth and start spitting bars. And they were like, wait a minute, he's not writing anything down. Like he's just going off the dome. Like he wrote it in his head. So it's one thing in terms of, um, his methodology for producing music. And then it's the productivity, the longevity. The first time I heard him was on, um, can I get open? Oh, when he was rhyming flavor. like a but you could tell he was different. Yeah. You know, he grabbed you, right? But, and you could see that the rhyme style was still kind of rough. It's like when you listen to early Big, you knew he was different. The rhyme style was a little rough, but it took him a while to get his flow. And once he got his flow together, everything took off from there. So when I look at Jay-Z, here, and here's the other thing about Jay that's, that's different. Jay enjoys a level of supremacy across generations. So you got Gen X heads that, that are like, yeah, Jay's the man. You got millennials. Um, and, you know, the oldest millennials are like in their mid 30s now, mid to late 30s. But right. You got millennials that are like, yeah, Jay-Z's the man. You got younger millennials. Yeah, Jay-Z's the man. Then you got baby boomers like, you know, Barack Obama. It's like, yeah, Jay's in my rotation. Yeah. And that's really rare that you can be a man or a woman in hip hop, be well north of 40 years old and still have an audience that wants to hear your music. Because unlike other genres, right, you can be the Rolling Stones and be in your early 70s and still do stadium tours and still make albums and still have good sales. But in hip hop, man, it's like Rakim used to say, you got six years. And after your six years are done, you're done. Mm. So it's hard to have that multi-generational appeal, but Jay's managed to do it. 
Yeah, just looking at his uh, stats, he's got 12 studio albums, one live album, five compilation albums, 82 music videos, 115 singles. That's if the Wikipedia discography stats are to be believed, but 115 singles. <laughs> right. My man. Right. And then, and then his impact on the business of the industry. Yes. That live album, he was backed by the Roots. Oh yeah, and then he gets the roots over to um to to his he gets the roots to Def Jam, okay. and so when they were when they put out um I think when they put out Game Theory they were on Def Jam. Damn, and so yeah, that dude like there's the the sociological impact, and then there's the music impact, but he's up against some stiff competition, right? Because there's Jay. There's Run DMC, you know, and and Run DMC was revolutionary in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. See, that's I think um, that when when we get down to the hardcore sort of nuts and bolts debate, is that it's going to be tough to separate impact on the culture from catalog because. Like Run DMC, obviously. I mean, please. But then, if we're just talking catalog, never let a punk get away with murder. Gunshots, gunshots. Oh, you heard? Yeah. I was like, oh man. But okay, so we have our we have our number one seeds. De La, Outcast, The Roots, and Jigga. So now number two, and I think number two. Like, and I would argue this is a strong number two that could have been a number one, is Tupac. Agreed. All right, so. Agreed. Pencil Tupac in. All right. But that's the whole point of, like, the tournament seeds, right? Like, sometimes you're a second seed because something happened along the way that tripped you up. Right. So you may have won the regular season conference championship, but you got tripped up in the postseason tournament, and so you get dropped. Yeah. Um, you know, Tupac <laughs> got tripped up because he got murdered. <laughs> we don't know what kind of music. And mind you, like, he posthumously released a whole bunch of music, right? Like, still, one of my favorite Tupac tracks is Tupac and uh, Scarface on Smile. Smile. You know, but he, he, was, he was amazing on that, right? But... Yeah, Tupac, Biggie, the catalog wasn't what it should have been because they were murdered. But see, see, this is my thing, and I know it's going to be relatively controversial, probably, is that <clears throat> with Biggie, he has one, well, two albums. Mm-hmm. They one, put out three, because they put out... Um, the. I mean, there was the double Born album, Again. Right? Yeah, but but it was it was ready to die, life after death, and, that's and then Bad Boy released another album with yeah. previously unreleased music. Yeah, which was unreleased for a reason because it was right not good. Right, <laughs> and then all those uh, Biggie featuring Eminem, Biggie featuring right some new rapper. Um, but, but I, I think it's still part of the catalog. But that's going to be the weak link. Because it's like what you were saying earlier about how his influence, like if we were talking about cultural impact, that might be another tournament. 
then he's there. Because it's like Robert Johnson and the Blues. Like, his impact Uh was tremendous. But I think he put out, like, Uh one album, maybe. Yeah, it's like sometimes, though, if you're only going to have one shot, right? Yeah. Be Ralph Ellison. Right. You know, if you're only going to write one (laughs) novel, let it be Invisible Man. Yeah. If you're only going to write one book of poems and short stories, be Gene Toomer with Kane. Right. That's all she you wrote? Know, it just Kane? Well, yeah. Gene Toomer, it was it was just Kane. It, 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 he. Oh, uh, my bad. My but it bad. was, yeah, it was just Kane. Um, you know, yeah. be, be the killer mockingbird. Yeah. Until the family shakes her down at the end of her life to write another novel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so if you're only going to get one, all I need is one. Have shot. a great one. Yeah. You know, All right, like right so we now got... they're talking about Dirt. Dirt got one chip, but he got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, so we got Tupac as a strong number two. And I think another strong number two, despite his um, ever increasing wackiness, is Kanye. Yeah, you gotta have Ye. So. You gotta have Ye as a two. Um, because he has some he has some he has some good stuff in the catalog yeah I mean even and even the the new joint there's some tracks on the new joint that are blazing I mean like because we we talked about no no more parties in LA oh man you know when he stops when he gets off the auto tune and decides he wants to rhyme Kanye's a beast yeah that was monstrous yeah yeah. All right. So, so Kanye right there. So Tupac, Kanye, um I think an argument can be made for um for Tribe. Hmm. I think an argument can be made for Cube. All right, let's see. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to Hang on. The other ones I've been writing in pen. Now I need to bring up my pencil. Yeah, really. Um <laughs> cuz this is when it gets tough. Well, how about what about Missy? I missed that. About what about who? Missy. You know what, dude? When Missy performed at the Super Bowl, all of a sudden she had like three or four top-selling singles on iTunes because you had a whole bunch of people that were like, "Yo, who is she, and why have I never been told?" It was oh. like people discovered Bruce Lee in the yellow jogging suit. Like, yo, who is this dude and why has no one told me? Wow. So, yeah, Missy, I think Missy, and, and she's had a longevity that a lot of female MCs didn't have with, with studio albums and things of that sort. So, yeah, um, I think Missy can be a strong two or no lower than a three. Yeah. Let me pull it up. She's had one, two, three, four, five. And she just had a new project come out with a whole bunch of music videos too. Yeah. And and when I look at Missy, one of the things I also love about Missy, in addition to her being like a dope MC and a dope singer doing her own hooks, Missy is a real, a real like defender and keeper of classic hip hop culture. Yeah. And, you know, she's always paying tribute 
to the pioneers, right? So if you look at the track that she did with Luda, and you know she's doing that like double dutch bus type flow right you know so yeah missy yeah. man missy brings the brings the heat all right so tinsel hurrying because there's somebody else i want to raise so let's see missy tribe cube um and i, I say tribe is debatable because <laughs> no shit the first three albums <laughs> yes the first three albums were amazing, and then there's you. a drop off. No, yeah, precipitous drop off. Yes. Yeah. Um. So I'll pencil that there, and then what about Common? That's who I was thinking. Like, if Tribe falls out of contention for a two seed, I think they should definitely be a three. And if they fall out, it's going to be for someone like Common. Um, and I think the thing that it's interesting, um, and there's someone we haven't talked about yet. Cause I think Drake has to factor into the conversation, but the reason I jumped from common to Drake, the, the lane that Drake is in right now is a lane that was created by big daddy Kane and common. And at the time that Kane was doing it, you know, trying to be the Barry White of hip hop, hip hop wasn't ready for that. Like, yo, um, you introduce yourself to us as this ferocious battle rapper, and now you want to be the lover man, and that's kind of whack. And then Common comes along and does the same thing. And then Drake comes along and he's doing it, and people thought he was weak, and they tried to clap at him. And I'm like, I didn't know Drake had bars like that until yeah. people start trying to diss him, and he defended himself. So, you know, Common has a longevity. He's been in since like, what, like 91? Yeah, 10 albums he's got. Yeah. And his style has changed over time, but even he will acknowledge, yo, there was a point, man, where I don't know what it is, but cats hook up with Badula Oblongata and they leave the planet. Like, dude, oh, if I man. saw Erica Badu coming, like if I weren't married and I saw Erica Badu coming, I might run because I don't want to be wearing crochet pants. <laughs> I'm telling you. So, you know, Andre 3000 went to Mars or Venus or someplace. <laughs> Common was on some electric circus. Right. Like, you know, she she got people bugging out. But when he came, when he reconnected with, when he connected with Kanye yeah. and came out with um, B, that was when he got his legs back up under. And it, and it was, he was out there for a minute. Yeah. But we, then he we started putting out things. solid projects, like solid, complete projects. I mean, this last this last album he just put out, I love it. Mm -hmm. And we were talking like it it flew way under my radar because it came out like sometime last year, and I just mm -hmm. got put on uh, like around December. So, but yeah, I would say in arguing position in a, in strictly a battle of catalogs, if we're talking about like you said, Tribe has three. I argue three classics. Some people debate whether people's instinctive, but I say classic. No, it was it was dope. So, but Common has ten albums of mm -hmm. consistently high quality material, mm -hmm. and even though Electric Circus, I don't, I don't like the sound of it. I'm gonna go back mm -hmm. and, and and check it out. But I remember, I don't remember thinking. I remember thinking it's weird, and it's not what I expected. And I'm not really feeling it. But mm -hmm. that doesn't mean it was bad. Right. And so... It's like people hated bombs over Baghdad. And I'm like, what are you, nuts? 
Like I know hip hop heads that were angry at Outkast for bombs over Baghdad. And I thought it was revolutionary because I'm like, yo, this is this one song is like all of black music. <laughs> yeah. Because it's hip hop, it's rock, it's gospel, and they pulled it off, right? But yeah. people hated it. It was way ahead of its time, but it's aged well. Um, yeah. And even and even the thing, right? Like it's it's a dubious album with how we place it. Mm-hmm. But in addition to the longevity, he's put out quality right. for a long time. So if if Tribe falls and they fall to Common, I can accept that. If Tribe becomes a three seed because Common is a two, I can live with that. Common is coming in as a two. Now, the question is, who gets this last two spot? It would it be, and let me just put the disclaimer on this. Obviously, anyone who's been listening to this podcast sort of knows uh, the general direction we come from in terms of our uh, hip-hop affiliations and affinity. So, of course, there are going to be people who are left off the list. Of course, Uh there are going to be people who don't fall within our range of what we are into. So don't send me any tweets talking about, what about E-40? Like You can get off my lawn. Yeah, you know, eh. There are plenty of people with, what about Wheezy? What about him? No. That's what I say, no. <laughs> um, so again, take this for what it is, and if you want to have a battle log, you better come up with a different name, but you're free and entitled to have <laughs> your own version of the battle log. <laughs> Epic, um, epic battles in hip hop history. <laughs> right. Where you where you gonna have MLK Gandhi, son? <laughs> <laughs> right. So you know we're sticking in this sort of more classical, uh, old school. And remember, we're forty. We're forty plus. Right. We don't have. Right. We can't be going back to look at the catalog of some new cat who put out eight mixtapes last year on that piff. I ain't got time for right. that. Get off my lawn. And go home. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> Get off my lawn. So let's see. So so who you who you got for that last two seed? For the last two, like I really want to put Missy in there, but I'm thinking like, am I missing somebody? So let me I'll just run down the list that uh East Coast Dre sent in because he had uh date night or something going on so he couldn't participate but he sent his list so the names on his list were of course jay-z tupac outcast de la soul the roots kanye dr dre except his thing with dr dre is he wanted to include dr dre and anything he was affiliated with which i don't know sorry no no can't no um common Nas, Tribe, Wu-Tang. But again, with Wu-Tang, it wasn't just Wu-Tang albums. It was like, that would include Raekwon and Ghostface. Ooh, Ghostface. Hmm. I don't think he's a two, but let me no, put him down so I can remember. He makes the, he makes the tournament. Yeah, he better. Um, Big Ghost steps off laughing. You put it <laughs> like this. I don't want to be a part of something where, Big, where Ghost doesn't make it. Because, you know, ghosts might see me out in these streets. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yo, son, hit me off with that Green Bay hat. Right. Um, Who else did he have on here? 
to Wu-Tang, but again, he was trying to do the entire Wu family, which, no. Um, Kendrick Lamar, Run DMC, uh, and I believe that was, let me double check his list. Dre, oh, okay. Jay-Z, Outkast, Dr. Dre, De La Soul, Tribe Called Quest, Busta Rhymes, The Roots, Kanye West, Wu-Tang, uh, Common, Run DMC, Ice Cube, Biggie, and Kendrick Lamar. Now, Ice Cube, I would argue a similar thing with Tribe Called Quest. America's Most Wanted, Kill It Will, Death Certificate, Classics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. After that, th- I mean... He started falling off ridiculously. I think Missy has a better catalog than Q. Oh, I... Yeah. As a complete body of work? Yes. Because again, right, you're talking history versus consistency. And when I look at Missy, there's the history and consistency. And she's still making dope music that's sort of true to herself, right? Like, it's hard to make the... And this is the thing that's been interesting with somebody like Jay-Z. He's been making music about selling crack out of Marcy for like 20 years, and he's not that dude anymore. I'm like, yo, right. you were at the inauguration. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Barack Obama has your phone number, and he'll call you. You're not that dude anymore. Right. Ice Cube, yo, you're the family movie guy. You're Are We There Yet? Yeah. You know, forget having a sad card. Like, yo, you can get your own projects with the green light. Right. <laughs> So you're in a different lane now, right? There's something about Missy's music where it's like, because her music was always about fun and having a good time. Yeah. There's no inconsistency, right? Like, it's wow, how are you gonna... No, she hasn't changed in the sense that she's now trying to be hard or trying to soften the image. Her music has always been a clear reflection of who she was as a person, so it's it's easy to evolve. Yeah. And... Yeah, so I would argue for Missy as a as a two over um over cube. All right, then let it be so noted. Let me get my pen. So, yeah, so we got Outcast, J, Dayline, the Roots as one seeds. Yep. As twos, we got a I got Common, Kanye, Missy, and who was the the fourth one? Uh, Tupac. Tupac. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're on to the threes. The threes, <clears throat> man. All right, threes, let's see. Now I think when we get Nas and Tribe, this, you know, people who have those incredible Mm -hmm. albums, but no consistency, no, yeah, no consistency over time of sustaining that high level of artistry. Yeah, I think Tribe should be the first three seed. Because at least with Tribe, right, the first three got progressively better, even though people will still fight over whether Low End Theory was better than Midnight Marauders. Yeah. But they got consistently better. Um, And the real thing that separates Low End Theory and Midnight Marauders from Peoples was Fife's evolution. Yes. I look at Ghostface and the Wu-Tang in the same way. Like, Ghost on 36 Chambers was good. But by the time you get to only build for Cuban links, Ghost was amazing. Yes. Like he was he was a far superior MC on Cuban links than he had been on 36 Chambers. When you get Fife on low end theory, 
and he was like microphone check one two what is this the five foot of stepping with the roughneck business you're like wait a minute what float by gravity never had a cavity got more rhymes than the partridge got family it's like yo then the whinings (laughs) right right like (laughs) your man your man just took off yeah so so yeah so tribe came out with three bangers and then when you if you go back and listen to beats rhymes in life what you had was a young jay dilla yeah and we weren't quite ready for him yet and if you listen to that album now it's still a good album it just wasn't the greatness we expected from tribe but see i didn't have a i didn't have a problem with the beat in fact i would love an instrumental version of that album it's mm-hmm. consec- it's a young consequence who like where the hell did you come from why are you here it was yeah. tribe that didn't seem to it sounded for the first time like they were, they were putting going out emotions al- exactly and they even said as much in the uh that documentary that michael Rappaport. Yeah. yeah which was excellent yeah if you haven't um, seen that you need to beats rhymes yeah. in life yeah but you know um but when you look at that last album they put out right because you're really talking about like a 15-year gap between dope tribe albums that last project they performed together on i want to say was it jimmy fallon yeah they all came back for jimmy fallon and kamal was like you know tip was like man it, it felt like we were 20 again yeah and it felt right. And so they started talking behind the scenes about doing an album. And Fife was coming out from Oakland, New Jersey to do the album. And, and you know, Tip was like, listen, um, if we're going to do this, we have to be in the same space. And so everybody had to go to Tip's studio. And so it's Fife, it's Jerobi, it's Tip, it's Ali Shaheed Muhammad, it's Busta Rhymes, it's, um, you know, um, your man from... You mean Jack White? Yeah. 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 And they were all together and you could tell the difference, right? So yeah, there's this gap. But you know, like love the love movement, the best part about the love movement was that they gave you the B sides from those earlier uh singles. Ex- yeah. So you got like one, two, one, yes. two, and you got the scenario remix and you got hot sex on the platter. Yeah. But the best people, the people who shine the most on love movement, it weren't, it wasn't Tribe. It was like Nori. It was Redman. Yeah, the love movement. That was another one that was just, ugh. That was the it last. Missed. That was the last CD that I ever bought. I think I bought the Lauren Hill around. That I think that was before, but I got rid of that ASAP. Um, and this is why love movement hurts so much. Love movement hurt me because we got duped. They put out Find a Way, and it was like, oh, they got that old thing back. Yeah. Because Find a Way was dope. You know, Find yeah. a Way was like a neat, you know, it was it was Benita Applebaum, you know. Know why you want to go and, and do that, love, huh? It was like she was dressing less and working out more. You know, she yeah. it was it was nuts. So yeah, um, I would put Tribe as a strong three. Yeah. On that last, well. <laughs> Dre and I debated this on the last podcast, but my my beef with that last Tribe album is there were too many people. There were too many other people. I needed... Too many I features? Need, I needed some quiet time alone with uh, Q-Tip, Fife, and Ali. The fact that Jerobi was there, I understand his significance to the group, but 
I didn't ask to hear him. It's okay. Yeah, I thought that Jerobi had bars on that, though, man. Um, Jerobi was getting off. I think everybody who was on there stepped up, but I didn't want a compilation. But that's just me. I think they could have put out, as I told Dre, a two-disc set. One with the real tribe, and then the other one with Sons of Tribe. (laughs) But okay. So yeah, tribe as a 3C, I will. That means cube is a 3 yeah, a week, a week. Song. Or speaking of, just or <laughs> a or, little. Wait, 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 wait. Hold that, hold that, just a second, because we're gonna get off of cue. But I did some black people homework, and I was working on a project, and I needed something. And I actually just watched Barbershop, the first one, for the first time, mm-hmm. like last week, and it wasn't better than I thought it would be, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. But the yeah, barbershop is watchable. Yeah, but that does not mean for anybody who has cared to ask, someone did. I'm not going to watch Barbershop two or three or Beauty Shop eight or whatever. So anyway, nah. but so okay. The law of diminishing returns. Yeah. So who was the who was the ore that you were about to drop? This is where it gets hard, right? Okay. Because I think we have to be careful of not excluding some of these youngins who are kind of bringing it, but their catalogs are still in progress, right? And that's why I'm looking at Kendrick. Um, I'm looking at, I'm going back to the old school that run DMC. I'm looking at Wu-Tang. So it's getting tougher. and then I would I would say someone like this, you know, we we brought in Missy. Uh-huh. I think you gotta consider MC Light. MC Light. See, I thought about MC Light when I was thinking about because I was thinking about Latifah. And I think I think Light's catalog might be stronger than Latifah's because it stayed in hip hop. Like yeah, Queen Latifah started making thing. blues albums. <laughs> You're right. I mean, I was only... And it might be dope, but it's not hip-hop. I only counted the first two Queen Latifah. I didn't know that she rapped beyond that. But let me see. MC Light discography. Boom, 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 boom. Light is the a rock. The first album in 89. Like you no, know. 88. See, so MC Light has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight albums. But... Were we really listening after the first three? So, I mean, that puts her in that Ice Cube category. So, you may be... Well, you can right. say the same thing about Tribe. Like, yes, we sir. kept listening, but we got disappointed. You are absolutely right. <laughs> and she did come back, like, say what you want about Ain't No Other. And this is where we were having the whole thing about, you know, who killed hip-hop. Um, <laughs> Roughneck was a banger. Oh, Roughneck was on Ain't No Other? Yeah, Roughneck was a banger. Okay. Roughneck was on Ain't No Other. And that yeah, was in Yeah, because like you know had um, Cappuccino, right? Yeah, Act Like You Know was like, um, yeah, Poor Georgie and Cappuccino. And, and so that was two years earlier. Um, so if you look at it, Light as a Rock comes out in 88. Yeah. Then she's 89, Eyes on This, 91, Act Like You Know, 93, Ain't No Other. She's coming out with an album about every two years. 
and the lead single still ends up in heavy rotation and is something that people still come back on. Oh, and by the way, if we want to talk about battle rappers, she kept dissing Antoinette on every album for like 10 years. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, damn. So people want to talk about Remy Ma, Ether, and Nicki Minaj. I'm like, yo, um, did you ever hear about what MC Light did to Antoinette? Like, she really ethered her consecutively over multiple albums. Yeah. That was vicious. So, all right, let me let me get my and even my, and even um better than than before, right? Cold Rock the Party was in heavy rotation. She oh had Diddy on the production. She had Missy on the track. Okay, you you. So she might be a three or a four. Like I'm 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 just trying to complicate matters a I'm little just bit. Say, by that with that standard, like her, Cube, Tribe, Nas, um. Because see, I think Nas gets a three. Nas, okay. I think Nas is a definite three after Tribe, so I would okay. put Nas as the second three seed, right? All and right. then it gets then it gets debatable because you have Cube, you have someone like Light. Um, the Wu Tang gets real complicated because you take the whole group, no, and just look at the projects oh, that they put out as the Wu Tang. Yes, because because if because you start we to disaggregate. And yeah, Jizza yeah. and things like that, but Jizza, dude, Ghostface can make the cut solo. Yeah, that's yeah, that's and, what I mean. And he's had the greatest solo career of any of them, even though you know Raekwon gave us maybe the the greatest solo album. Yeah, with the assistance of <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course, right. But it was it was the Raekwon yeah. joint. Yeah, it was that's you great. know what happened to my killer tape? <laughs> yeah, it's the purple tape. Right. <laughs> I'll let you hold it. <laughs> Your shot came. came over. He got busted in his head two times. God, is 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 he dead? Is he what the? You mean is he dead? <laughs> Nigga laying there like a fucking newborn baby, son. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> All right, so right, so yeah, I go tribe Nas, and then um, who? Hmm. Do we go whole Wu Tang? Um, do we go light? Do we go cube? Well, I think it'd be kind of a crime to have cube lower than a three. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's see, because Wu Tang, I'm not really. Uh, let me see. I gotta everybody because it's enter the Wu Tang, right? And then it's um wu Tang Forever, like, and wu Tang Forever, like, was innovative as a double CD because before then, people weren't doing that. And they still should not. And they should they, have. It would have been better as one album. Like, if you took the best and made it into one CD, it would have been amazing. Right. But still, um, from a business perspective, if you put out a double CD and you're under a 10 record contract, it can get you out of that contract quicker. It's like, you know, hip hop can't put out a Christmas album. Yeah. You know, that's why all those R&B artists are putting out Christmas albums so they can get out of that contract. So if you can't do that, well, if you do a double CD, that gets you one step closer. I mean, it gets you out of the contract, but it also gets you kicked out of the battle log. <laughs> <laughs> like with Biggie, there was no reason for what uh, life after ready. What was life after yeah, ready. death? It was life after death. Yeah, there was no reason for that to be a double album. Like no, the same argument, I could go back and edit that into because there are some incredible songs on there. 
And then there's some bullshit. And that's the double album. I've never heard the only hip hop double album that I can. No, the only ones that I like, there are a couple, are compilations. Right. Yeah, Gangstar. Yeah. The Gangstar's compilation joint. Because it has some new music, but it was basically, you know, two decades, a decade of Gangstar. Yeah. There was what um the the raucous joint sound was it sound not lyricist lounge yeah lyricist lounge first yeah the first lyricist lounge was yeah. amazing all right so let's see Wu Tang that would be I mean I know that we're, there there are problems with some of these albums and I don't know that. Wu Tang Clan collectively should be. They might be a four. Yeah, because the best work was Enter the Wu Tang, Wu Tang Forever, and then Iron Flag was pretty good. Yeah, there, yeah, there was. I remember there was one in there where it kind of like got a little more grimy and they sounded like, you know. Let's yeah, because Iron Flag, like, you know, it had, like, In the Hood was a good track. Um, Uzi was a good track. You know, they were, you know, this was, like, after 9-11, and people were, you know, talking about, um, you know, they were rapping about that on the joint, and they had some good bars about 9-11. All right, so let's So, see. yeah, they so, might be a four. Yeah, okay. So, so, you know, the argument was Ice Cube, Wu-Tang, MC Light. I think Ice Cube, <laughs> while he's going to be an easy out, he's like a jump shooting team that is going to get cold in the tournament and <laughs> knocked out. But what about Ludacris? Mm, is it three? Yeah, you're right. No. Not as a three. No. I think he could make the tournament. But not as a three. All right. So let's see. All right, then I guess Cube Cube has got to go. If there's this much sort of back and forth, Cube, yeah. we'll just stick him in. All right, Cube. Ice Cube is not for the pop charts. Uh, all right. And so now we, we have the last three seed. Three seed left. What about Pete Rock and CL Smooth? No, too short. Okay. okay. What about because Ghost? you know now Ghostface could be a three. All right, let me. Ghost could definitely be the last three. Um, and you, and the reason why I say that is because as dope as he was on the Wu Tang stuff, he's had a he's had a really good solo career. Wow, he's got twelve studio albums. Yeah, Ghost is prolific, and even when he shows up on other people's stuff, right? Like, like Kanye had a track wow. with Ghost. Um, uh, New Godflow. Uh huh. And they did the remix of New Godflow, and it's Kanye, Pusha T, and Ghost. And man, like, I mean, Pusha T sets it off hard, right? And this is when you get the best Kanye because he's on a track with Pusha T and Ghostface. And, you know, Pusha T's like, I believe there's a God above me, but I'm the God of everything else. 
Damn. <laughs> and, you know, so Pusha T sets it off and the gay gets off. But then they bring on Ghost and Ghost is just irreverent, man. Ghost is ridiculous. So, and yeah, he's his- had a great solo career. He's good on features. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago when they did the X Games. Dude, the main the main song that was the theme for the X Games commercials was Ghostface. Damn. The Champ. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was a record by Ghostface, The Champ. Wow. Well, I like how they, uh, in the first Iron Man movie, because he was, he was calling himself Tony Stark and all that back in the day, and they, in the, uh, opening scene when they're in that convoy out in the desert they're playing Ghostface uh-huh. at some point early in the movie they're playing it and it's just like that little Marvel sort of nod like uh-huh. wink but Ghostface yeah I think an argument could have been made for him Iron Man Supreme clientele you know Ghost Ghost yeah. has been been on it man and like hollow kids it, Dude, man, I was in a car the other day. Like, it's crazy. Like, one of the stations I like to listen to um, on on um, satellite radio is this um, Studio Fifty Four station. Okay. And even though it's disco, right? Yeah. Like, they they put out some bangers on there, and so I'm listening, and they played this track, and I'm like, wait a minute, I had no idea Shea Shear Lagos was a cover. And it's oh. a cover of this old disco record. And the original was blazing, right? Yeah. But I'm like, yo, Ghost took that and took it to another level. Man. And I had no idea it was a cover. And I'm like, yo, um, what kind of cat are you where you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to do that. Right. I'm going to take that and I'm going to thug that out. And that's where I think Ghost has to get a nod as a three because even though he's a hardcore grimy MC, dude is creative as all get out. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Once the face got revealed, game got real. Yup. <laughs> so, all right, so we've got <clears throat> we've got our threes in there: Nas, Tribe, Cube, and Ghostface. <laughs> Ghostface might be one of those. <laughs> he might those he might want to run like Villanova, <laughs> right? Because, <laughs> woo. Even the projects, like he's got those conceptual projects like that. Uh, it was like 12 Reasons to Die or something like that um, that he did with this composer. I forget, like I forget all the details and the dude's name, uh-huh. but I know I downloaded it. And it was just like, it was something different. It was conceptual, but it was still quality material. Uh-huh. Vivid. All right. So now... Um, Oh, this is crazy because now we have the the final four slots. Last so, four in. Somebody's gonna get a whole bunch of people are gonna get played out. So So if I go back to um Black Cloud's list, yes. Jay-Z, Outcast, Dr. Dre, who we have not included yet, right? Daylight yeah. Tribe, Buster Rhymes, who we have not yet considered. Right. And you know, Buster has a good catalog. The Wu Tang, Run DMC, Biggie, Kendrick. Yeah. And MC Light is still out there. Um, you know, we haven't talked about Goody Mob. Yeah. So here's the. So if we go, 
let me, I'm just jotting some of these names down to sort of run through them. If we talk about Dr. Dre, basically on his own, we're talking about the chronic, but before the, well. Are you going to so go back the, to world-class wrecking crew? When, no. So there's the chronic, because NWA would have to be taken separately. And with right. NWA, again, if we were talking about cultural influence battle, that would be different. But we're talking about NWA and the Posse, which nobody's going to listen to, straight out of Compton, then 100 Miles and Running, the EP, and then Ethel for Zagging, Niggas for Life, which mm-hmm. the first half of which was some of Dr. Dre's best work and foreshadowed uh, the G-Funk and all that he would do later. But you're talking about three albums and one and a half classics. I don't know if that's going to be in here. Somebody else we have to consider whose name hasn't come up? Who? Eminem. Oh, shit. Fuck's wrong Which means me? we might have to go back to the board, man. Um, Uh-oh. Eminem, Eminem might bump Tupac down from a two-seed. Wow. I forgot about Eminem. Damn. Yeah, because we haven't mentioned Eminem, and Eminem is, a, Eminem is a monster. He's like certified official, right? Here's the thing. I believe, pers- me personally, I believe he is technically one of the greatest MCs I have ever heard. And I would say uh-huh. the greatest, but I just don't want to start a different kind of debate. But uh-huh. in terms of his albums and catalog, yeah. but I mean, he, I, I mean, that's the argument for this. But yeah, he should definitely be included. So now somebody's going to get faded. Yeah, somebody, you know, he he has to be in the tournament. And then as you start going through the matchups, that's when you have the deeper conversation, right? But the Mar- you know, the Marshall Mathers LP, um yeah. Encore, the Eminem show, you, you gotta put him in. Yeah. And even when he showed up on other people's tracks, like, you know. He yeah. outshined Jay-Z on, on Renegade. <laughs> he outshined Snoop on Snoop Trap. Oh, no. Right. Big Snoop. Oh. <laughs> right. So, yeah. yeah, you gotta have Eminem as a part of the conversation. Um, so, he's... He's not bumping any of the number ones. I can't no. see that. The Tupac number two is looking vulnerable as a two-seed. So is Missy. Tupac and so is Missy. Missy. Kanye definitely not. Kanye staying at two. Yeah, so Kanye Common and Kanye Missy. can stay. Common. Missy and Tupac. If if he doesn't knock Wait. them out as a two seed, like I don't see how I don't see how he knocks Tupac out. Tupac, right? I gotta go, but let me pull up the see what Tupac's Tupac. Some serious, yeah, he might knock out Missy. This is some serious war room <laughs> shit. I feel like I should have a diagram on the wall like the wire. Dude, for real. Huh. For real. It's like we prepping for the NFL draft. We just had a late entry coming out of the combine, yes. flying up the board like, oh, whoa, I, whoa. I think Tupac has got to stay because... Okay. I'm, I mean, I'm just looking at... I just looked at his discography and Tupacalypse Now is pretty yeah. much right there 
next to death yeah. certificate, just not as yeah. uh, prophetic. Strictly from a niggas, never ignorant, getting goals accomplished, which I think is ridiculous. But hey, whatever. All eyes on me. All eyes on me. Me against the world. Illuminati. Illuminati. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so I could live with Common, Kanye, Tupac, and Eminem as two C's. And now, if we drop Missy down, she's, she definitely takes Missy take is a three seed. Let's see. Hang on. Let me pencil. Eminem. Missy. The funny part is DJ, now. Please <laughs> now we've got pick these. Up your phone. We've, on the request line. we've got these two three seeds in Missy and Ghostface who could clearly take out <laughs> the yep. number fours that they're going to be, or the number twos that they're going to be up against. But yep. we'll see. Um, so Missy, she's not. She's not taking Ghostface out. So the question is. Is she taking out Ice Cube, Nas, or Tribe? Tribe. Here's the thing. Tribe gave us two outstanding albums and a really good debut album. Yeah. Missy, Super Duper Fly, The Real World, Missy So Addictive, Under Construction. She got off like four straight bangers. Yeah. You know, she got off four straight bangers. Um, and then I think you get a little bit of a drop off. No matter of fact, no, 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 I stand corrected because then the next one is this is not a test. Oh, yeah. Because that and... had, um, I can hear the song in my head. But yeah, I, I okay. So. You know, because Super Duper Fly, you get, you get, um, Socket to Me, you get The Rain. I um, The Rain. Right. Yeah, because when she, you know, yeah, her Timbaland, new sound, new style. Right. And she kept innovating. Um, and then the music video, man, she owned the music video. Yeah. And so the next album, you know, she throws a hot boys and, you know, you don't know and, you know the features were dope. Her individual was dope. Yeah, the, the the real world was when she dropped. She's a bitch. Man, you know what I'm I just that just hit me is we need to get this battle log and then have Dre pitch it to some of his TV people. And every time it's like battle log, the yeah, yeah the exactly hip hop culture's biggest influence on the culture. Yeah, we we yeah, this hmm. this needs to happen um, cuz then I keep going with Missy under construction. Damn. Gossip folks. Her cover of Bring the Pain featuring uh, Method Man. All right. Yeah, work it. Yeah. You, um the the cookbook Missy, no, Missy might be That one with Jay-Z. Do 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 do. Oh man. The Method Man. No, <laughs> no. Yes, because Jay was on that and Luda. Oh right, shoot all fire, ludicrous balance and rotate, balance and rotate all, all tires. No, was it remember when or back in the day? Jay Z was on there. Damn, I'm. I'm def- see that's going to be the interesting part of this is going back to. Um, for mid- re- 
introduce allow me to reintroduce myself yeah i would say um missy's catalog displayed a level of consistency over a period of time that was longer than tried yeah lose control so i remember if, that one that, that was dope you can make me lose so yeah it really might go um nas ice cube ghost space missy and then tribe becomes a four steve all right so <laughs> tribe. dre gonna be dre gonna come back like what did you do <laughs> tribe gets kicked gets bumped to a four seed you've been waiting for that i am Uh, (laughs) that was perfect yo that was perfect oh man nelson months approves all right so now (laughs) for these final four spots we have i mean people we've been kicking around and talking about um really we're down to three spots now because tribe becomes the first four seed oh that's right that's so we're now down to three spots in the bracket that's true. We're Damn. dealing with some bubble teams. Who's on the bubble? <laughs> Who's on the bubble? Heavy D. Yo, um, you know what? That's not even a joke. Yeah. I, I, I had to I had to go off on somebody online, man. Like one of my students, like, oh, Heavy D was a one-hit wonder. I'm like, what? boy, hush your mouth. <laughs> That's all I really need then a bag of blue funk. Dude, Heavy D. Heavy D made it possible for you to be the heartthrob and be the big man. Yeah. Girls and girls, they love me because he's the overweight lover, Heavy D. Ah, <laughs> oh, what a wonderful night. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Heavy D. Yeah, so Heavy D's on a bubble. I mean, so, yeah. yeah, damn. We still have the entire Wu-Tang. You still have Heavy D. You still have Run DMC, Biggie, Kendrick Lamar. Let me see. Run DMC. Do we, do we consider Farside? They gave us two um, bangers. They gave us two bangers, and then, and then the drop off. Yeah, then there was a little weirdness, and then they people started leaving. Um, <laughs> that's that's nit. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you throw on? Um, Black Eyed Peas, or did they go too pop? Yeah, um, Joints and Jams was the last time I really remember them being a rap group. And then the record company told them, "Listen, you're taking this white girl, or else yep. you can stop making music." <laughs> yep. Because at first they were like the Roots. Yeah. Because they were contemporaries of the Roots. They came out at about the same time. All right, so Heavy D's on a bubble. Wu Tang Clan is on a bubble. Stetsasonic. Um, so oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm whew, I would have been Uh-oh. I would have slapped the, the shit out of myself for this. Um KRS-One and or BDP. You know, I kind of have a block in my mind on KRS-One when he came out and so ardently defended um Africa Bambada with these allegations of um having sex with underage boys. Yeah. I mean, and he came out really hard for Africa Bambada, man. And it reminded me of something that Bomadi Jones said once on his radio show. And he was like, man, when I was in college, there was a guy who got charged with rape 
And I just thought I knew this dude so well, and that was something he wouldn't be capable of. But we learned that he was a serial offender. Um, it reminds me of the, the letter that Chris Cooley wrote. Chris Cooley used to be the punter for the Minnesota Vikings. And mm-hmm. He was like, listen, um, there was a guy on my team that all of us looked at as a leader who was a standout player. And we thought to be a character guy. And he turned out to be a serial rapist. Yeah. And he was talking about Darren Sharper. Darren Sharper, yeah. And so I think I think Karis one is letting his friendship with Bambata potentially cloud his ability to see that maybe he was really doing this. Because there are a number of men who have come forward and said, Yeah, when we were kids, um, you know, he did this with us. Yeah. And so since then I've sort of had this mental block on Karis one. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, um, did he didn't he like sort of do one of those, you know, those bullshit once you get called out in public? Didn't he try to walk that back or is he still out there just I don't know if he ever walked it back. Like he came out really hard in support of Bambada. Yeah. But, you know, politics aside, he was the front man for BDP. But even if you look at his solo catalog, it was pretty dope. Yeah. You know, his solo catalog was pretty dope. Um, if individually. Yeah, let me see. Because, you know, you get um, Return of the Boom Bat. Well, really, you get. Yeah, Return of the Boom Bat was his first album as KRS One. And that was in 93 after already having been around for like six years. Yeah. And so you get, you know, KRS One, you get. Um, Return of the Boom Bap, I Got Next. Sneak and, you know, and those were three consecutive strong albums after having been the front man for BDP. Right. And the only other person who was really rhyming with him was um, D-Nice. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Here's yeah. another one that if we look at catalog, even if we go KRS-One, solo album one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve but like eight of those twelve nine of those twelve are like eh. but yeah that's another thing is that once we got to the era where it was easier for people to put out material you know back in the day it wasn't you necessarily had, good you had to wait a year yeah, for something new to come out, but um, it's not like Future nowadays dropping two albums in back to back weeks <laughs> right, or days. There you go. Here you go. Yeah, it's like as much as I want to include someone like Rakim, you know, it was paid in full, follow the leader, and then there was a drop off. Yeah, and it's funny what you mentioned with that that tribe, the love movement, is one of those the it may have been the Rakim comeback album or one of them that had it, it was a double and then the second one had all the classics uh-huh. but, let's see yeah it was the 18th letter um the 18th yeah. letter was a double now, and you know rock him and this is the funny thing we talk about age and relevancy mm-hmm. rock him is only a year older than jay-z really yeah he, he's only a year older than jay-z really wow Damn. And so by the time Rakim tried to come back, the the industry had already changed. Yeah. 
Yeah, so maybe um, all right. So like, like let's let's go through that list now with these people, these teams that are competing for the third, the, the last three spots. So Karis won. Hang on, I'm looking up the uh, BDP discography because it may be stronger than the uh, Karis one solo. Yeah, cr- Criminal Minded, By All Means Necessary, Ghetto Music, The Blueprint of Hip Hop, Edutainment, and Sex and Violence. I think that's stronger than the KRS solo. Yeah, like, I mean, the, the first the the first three are um, Criminal Minded, By All Means Necessary, and then Edutainment, which was straight fire. Yeah. I think those three together are stronger then the next three, Return of the Boom, Bap, Karis One, and I got next. And everything else. <laughs> He's got it. And next. everything. After that, you stop. All right. So, let's so yeah, you could. So, so instead of Karis, you could say BDP is a bubble team, right? BDP. So that's. So yeah. we're still talking about Run DMC. Is Run DMC is still out there? Um, Wu Tang Clan is still out there. Okay. BDP. <clears throat> Uh, MC Light. Oh yeah, Light DMC. So we've got three spots left, right? Yeah, we have three spots left. Yeah. So let's see. Um, I think BDP could get one of those spots. Yeah, I do too. Um, okay. Throw BDP. All right. So and I'm also trying to think about, I'm trying to be fair, right? So top three C's, we have two from New York, one from Philadelphia, one from Atlanta. Then the next three, we go, you know, even though Pac was from Baltimore, LA claims them. So LA, <laughs> Detroit, two from Chicago. So strong representation for the Midwest. Yeah. Then back to New York, back to LA, back to New York, and then we throw in Virginia. Um, I'm liking the list so far in terms of the geographic diversity. And, you know, the thing is, when I look at it, I see one woman on this list. Yeah. And I think you don't get Missy without light. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, I mean, I can I'm definitely can live with MC MC Light on there. I'm still curious, did Queen Latifah only do two hip-hop albums? Like was the one with uh UNITY? That was the last of her hip-hop no, albums? No, no, no. No, no, no. She she had to be more than two. Let me take a look. Um let me take a look real quick because I feel like I feel like she got off like maybe three hip hop albums and then started doing Jazz more blended stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, All Hail the Queen was an instant classic. Oh my God, um, Mama gave birth to the Soul Children. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All Hail the Queen was an instant classic. Yeah, Black Rain. Oh, Nature of a Sister. I remember that. Yeah, Black Rain was dope because that's yep. when you got uh, Just Another Day and UNITY. That was straight hip hop. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, Nature of a Sister was in between. Yeah. And Latifah's had it up to here is one of my favorite of all time. Mm. Like, that might be my favorite. That and Wrath of My Madness. 
boom, like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, give it to a queen. Who got, got it? it? Give it to a queen. I got, got it. it. <laughs> yeah, Love so those three were like three consecutive really dope hip hop albums. Yeah. And then she goes, um, she goes in a different direction with her music. Um she she Order comes back. Court. Is that Order in the Court had bananas, which was um you know, it was a good hip hop record, but it didn't hit. And that was when she kind of stopped with hip hop and started doing blues and R and B and yeah. So so all right, so she doesn't so yeah. make it. Light, light the MC. I think that I think light's a good one to put in there. And if Queen Latifah had kept making hip hop, yeah, I think she she makes the cut. But I think light has a stronger hip hop catalog, even though. Latifah gave you three consecutive bangers. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, MC Light. <clears throat> yeah, I can go. I can MC Light. Cold Rocker Party. Oh, last one in. Who you got? Let's see. Light them. Who you got? Okay, so. I think we're. Just among those that we've been talking about, I think we're looking at Run DMC and Wu Tang. So now I need to go back and look at Run DMC, the Run DMC catalog because yeah, I know Raising Hell was like the first hip hop album I ever owned. Mm-hmm. My mom showed up with it. How? Yeah, the the. Run DMC hits you with um, the self-titled album in 84 and that had like Rockbox and Sucker MCs then King of Rock here we go you know it, here we go live at the Fun House was amazing like even when the record jumped because <laughs> somebody probably bumped the turntable <laughs> right it was still amazing right so Run DMC in 84 uh, Raising Hell King of Rock. Yeah, Raising Hell. Like, you look at the disc, you look at the, um, like, Peter Piper, It's Tricky, My Adidas, yes. Walk This Way. Like, you know. I'm convinced. Yeah. <laughs> we can, I think we can officially. And then they hit you with Tougher Than Leather, which yeah. was Run's House. Yeah. Because, you know, this is them trying to maintain their hegemony in hip hop, right? Because by 88, they're being challenged. Right. You know, by 88, it's Rakim, it's Big Daddy Kane, it's Boogie Down Productions, and Run just comes out like, yo, whose house? Run's like, I'm still the headliner. Yeah. Yeah, I'm convinced. Um, Wu? Yeah, no. I mean, yeah. it's tough. I think that Wu in that NIT round will probably take the title, maybe. Yeah. But Run DMC, I got to, yeah, Run DMC. That's a nice way to, to finish it off. So to recap, and for everybody, I'm going to make these brackets available once I secure some rights, figure out how to spell, and then uh, <laughs> secure the rights to Battle Log. Spell it, tough guy. Um, battle Log. <laughs> right. You gotta have an air horn. <laughs> yeah. 
Man. Uh, <laughs> Yo, I, I keep seeing Key and Peele. Epic battles in rap history. MLK versus Gandhi. <laughs> That's what I keep seeing with this. Fight. Basically, oh, final round. Fight. All Finish right, it. so as our number one seed, <laughs> we have De La Soul as a whole. We have Outcast. We have The Roots. And we have Jay-Z. Number two seed. So we make seed. a daylight a top seed in the whole tournament? Um, well. Sounds that way. I mean, that's just how we, as yeah, we just put them in. I do just, it. Yeah. Okay. Because the, okay. uh, because so, like, I have the brackets, groups of four. So, uh-huh. after we run down uh-huh. the seeds, then I'll tell you who's, who's facing okay. who. Okay. Uh, number two seed, we have Tupac. Kanye, Eminem, and Common. Three seeds, we have Nas, we have Missy, we have Ice Cube, and we have Ghostface Killer. And the four seeds, we have Run DMC, Tribe Called Quest, MC Light, and Boogie Down Productions. So, it will be, opening round will be De La Soul versus Run DMC, Nas versus Tupac, Outkast versus Tribe Called Quest, Missy versus Kanye, The Roots versus MC Light, Ice Cube versus Eminem, Jay Z versus BDP, and Ghostface Killer versus Common. So, I think that. I think that works. Uh, yeah, I think that people who listen to this podcast people of our generation will be uh-huh. satisfied with uh, with this list. I can't think of anybody any glaring omissions. And who It'll knows? hit us later because nothing nothing helps you to see errors like press and send. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> as soon as you press send, it's like all the spelling errors come out. <laughs> exactly. So as soon as you go live, you're going to be like, oh, wait a minute, how did we forget so-and-so? Yep. Like, we didn't mention EPMD. Oh, shit. <laughs> we didn't mention Did EPMD. Wait a minute. That just Are you happened. Holding that? <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. We didn't mention. We didn't mention Redman. Oh well, Redman. Redman suffers from a lot of that. That uh, the thing where the first two albums just hot. After Muddy Waters, I guess that was like the third. Muddy Waters is the third album. Okay, so that was three. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, he technically could have. No, 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 no. Doc's The Name was a dope album. Doc's The Name was the fourth album, and that was still dope. Really? He, he The one where I stopped buying Redman albums was when he released the single with Britney Spears. No, with um, Christina Aguilera. Oh, my God. Let's Get Dirty. Oh, Let's but but Red still got the gift though, man. You saw the cipher. Red still yeah. got the gift. Yeah. Let's but yeah, see. but we didn't what? say EPMD. Yeah, we didn't say Redman. I like how you. I like how you waited <laughs> till the very yeah. end to drop EPMD. Yeah. Oh man. It was EPMD. the J to the A to the N to the E. Um. Wait a minute. But then it's who do you take out? And that's the problem with lists like this. Yeah. Because yeah, EPMD is dope. But who do you take out? Hang on. Let me go back to... I got to 
Damn, I can't believe you did this. <laughs> damn you. Damn, damn, damn. Yeah, it's the scholar in me, because we're always like, well, what about such and such? Fuck. What about so and so? You know, Wu-Tang didn't make the list, but we considered them. Because even if you get... It was like Business Never Personal that had the crossover. Mm-hmm. And that's four albums in. Yep. And then when they came back um, with Back in Business, Back in Business was dope. Okay. I don't believe you did this. <laughs> Damn it. But Damn. again, who do you take out? That's the problem. But strictly business, business as usual, unfinished business, back in business. Yeah. Um, or in between business, never personal. Like they had like, they had like five really good albums. I mean, damn. Headbanger, because Headbanger was on uh, business, never personal. Yeah, I used to get played by a honey dip, but now I'm on the money tips, and now I call the honey dip honey. <laughs> <laughs> Man. And that's why I say Red. Red Man was one of my all time favorites. But yeah, EPMD, Red Man, Wu Tang. Um, okay. Wait you know, I'm trying now. to think of anyone EPMD. else. Yeah, Wayne say 3 6 Mafia. <laughs> they got a Grammy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard out here for a pimp. Mm. Damn, EPMD. But again, who do you take out? I'm looking to see who's going to get there, taken out because somebody's got. You can't take out any of the one seeds. You can't take out any of the twos. I think I don't the, think you could take out the threes. I'm looking at maybe maybe you take out BDP. I was just looking at BDP for EPMD, and now I got to go back. Now I got to go side by side, and because again, BDP is being carried by one MC. Right, and I look at um, I look at Eric Sermon the same way I look at Fife and um, Ghost. Though he never became as great as them as an MC, right? But Eric Sermon became a much better MC on their later work, and then as the beat man, like he he was putting in work. Yeah, you know he was putting in work doing their beats. Three, One, two, three, four. So BDP had five albums and. But three great ones. Three great ones and a couple that are like, I would argue, I could easily argue, damn. Damn it. <laughs> this is some bullshit. Maybe, maybe what we need to do is have a first, have a, a playing game. A play, yes. Are we going to have a playing game? That, <laughs> have you know what? That's perfect. A playing game between EPMD and um, BDP. Yes. I love that. I love that. So That's awesome. I am going to put the, uh, put the um, brackets together. I will post them at The Liberator. T-H-A-L-I-B-E-R-A-T-O-R dot com. Uh, when this episode goes up, <clears throat> it'll be a PDF and I'll, or a J, I'll, yeah, I'll put up the PDF up there and you can download it, follow along. You can also hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you th 
thought, who we left out, how dare we leave out so and so, you can find me at Hip Hop Taliban. And don't uh, get at us AB. about future though, because we're gonna laugh at you. Yeah, please. <laughs> AB, but what where, about future? What about him? Where can where can they find you out in uh, out in the world? Social media. They can wise. find me on the on the Twitterverse at abjrphd. There you go. So I'm on the Twitters. So this come for be... the come for the jokes and stay for the commentary about how to dismantle systems of oppression. <laughs> oh, you don't want to dismantle the administrative uh, state. If one more administrator try to stop me, it's going to be some gray hair professors in the lobby. Uh, uh. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to post this. And then when we reconvene in a few weeks, because after I uh, post this and circulate it, we're all going to need time to go back in, catch up with uh, some items in this catalog to make our make our uh, picks hold a little hold a little weight um yo but what about that ben carson joint though yo you know back in the uh in the campaign somebody released a rap single promoting ben carson right no <laughs> i thought you meant him talking about slaves as immigrants <laughs> unwitting immigrants <laughs> dude <laughs> on the facebook account that i use for work my cover photo is 12 years a hard-working immigrant <laughs> Oh man, I can't like he's a Uncle Ben lost his mind, man. He's a caricature. It's like somebody like he should be a character on Benson. Dude, gifted hands, stupid mouth. Wow. He went educated fool. It's unbelievable. Like like it's a, it, it, we're living in bizarro world, but <laughs> um yeah, we we gonna put the hamburger helper in the uh, playing game. <laughs> that that could that could beat out some of those uh, some of those other people. But I'll tell you this: when we reconvene, I think um, this I love this idea of the playing game. That's dope. Yeah, that's fire. That's heat. That's heat. So, all right, I appreciate you taking time from beating down students uh, and grading papers. And raising babies, man. Let me ask you. Let me ask you something, because uh, this came up in one of the other podcasts. Okay. If if you catch somebody with a cell phone in your class, you eject them. Oh, I answer the phone. Oh, I answer oh, like the phone. Like I tell them, the I have a, I have a whole protocol, bro. I have a whole protocol. So, you know, I I offer concessions, right? Because some of my students are married. Some of them have children. And it's really important that people need to be able to get in touch with them. Okay. Or, you know, someone's trying to get an internship or a job. They're expecting a phone call. I'm like, yo, put your phone on vibrate. If it rings, you can step outside, take the call. If you need to leave, you can leave. And I'll make sure that you get square and stay on course. Okay. But if the phone rings, I answer. And I've talked to mamas, daddies, boyfriends, girlfriends, boyfriends of boyfriends, <laughs> girlfriends of girlfriends. You- I have my... I had my first FaceTime in, in the fall of 2015. Wow. So I had a FaceTime call. And and yeah, um, you know, I, I will straight up take the phone and answer it. What do you say? Now, oh, I'm like, um, so, you know, so if I catch you, right, I'm like, yeah, James' cell phone, Dr. Belk speaking. 
Oh shit! <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and if it's your mom or something, she's like, um, "Can I speak to Jan?" So I'm like, "Oh, I'm sorry. He's in class right now. I'm his professor. Is it an emergency?" Oh shit! <laughs> okay, well, can he call you back later? And Yo. then I'll put it on speaker. Everybody say bye to James's mom. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and I Damn. have a distinctive voice. It's pretty clear that I'm a black man. Wow. And I'm a and I'm a grown black man, right? So yeah, I might be answering someone's phone, and I have like a little wonderful student, and they're like, "Who is this grown black man answering my daughter's phone?" Oh, I'm her professor. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, I've done that, right? But here's when I throw people out: if I catch you sending a text message, you out of here. Mm. But and I tell them, I'm like, listen, uh, you might get away with it a little bit, but no well-adjusted sane person stares at his or her groin, giggling. Ah. And so eventually okay. I'm gonna catch you. Yeah. And last semester, man, I make that announcement on first class day one. And by week three, in three consecutive classes, I'm kicking people out for texting. Damn. Did they get to come back? And dude. Oh, they can come back, but it's like this. I tell them I'm you don't have to go home, but you gotta get the H E double hockey stick out of here today. Uh and so people will get up and leave and they'll get off and they'll do the walk of shame because, you know, if you're in the back of the classroom and I catch you, you got a long walk out the room and I stand there <laughs> silent. I stand there silent, let them do the walk of shame. And then I turn to everyone else. Um, was I wrong? And they're like, no, sir. I'm like, wasn't my policy clear? Yes, sir. OK, so we have an understanding. Damn. Only once, only once. I had one student one year. Right. And God bless her because she was smart. She, she knew there was information she still needed to know to do well in the class. And so I'm like, yo, you got to leave. She went outside, sat in the hallway by the door and kept taking notes. Damn. <clears throat> and I respected her gangster. Wow. Last semester, I had a kid. He was texting and he was like, I was like, hey, are you texting? And he was like, uh, no. And I said, that's interesting because I have an iPhone. And when I'm texting on my iPhone, I have blue and gray on my screen just like you. Are you texting? Oh, yeah, you got to go. I kicked him out. He came to my office two hours later for office hours. Like, yeah, I had questions about the exam. And he didn't let the shame get in the way of him learning what he needed to know. Yeah. He ended up with an A in the class. Okay. <laughs> Damn. But he knew it. He, yo, so when you're upfront with people and you hold and you, you put the standard out there and then you hold them accountable, people might get mad, but they can't say, you know what? He never told me. And he treated me unfairly. So the word on the street is out about me. Like, you know, first day of class, I'm like, hey, um, have any of you seen me answer a phone? And a couple of hands will go up. How many of you have seen me answer a phone? More hands will go up. Or like, or I've heard about me doing those hands will go up. And I'm like, see, this is a promise. It's not a threat. Don't test me. <laughs> Man. That's oh. hip hop. <laughs> hey. That's hip hop, though. Hey, I ain't blaming you. I work with elementary kids and I've kicked a couple out. One kid mm -hmm. came back and the teacher said, uh, what do you have to say to Mr. Carter? I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm I sorry hear you. I said, I hear your apology, but I don't accept it. Dude, you sound like me talking to my three and a half year old. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I was talking to my daughter one day and I was like, I said, you can't do that. I'm sorry, daddy. I said, your words mean nothing until you change your behavior. <laughs> right. I said that to a three and a half year old, man. Your man. words mean nothing until you change your behavior. She looked at me and went, ah! <laughs> Man. 
the trials and tribulations from uh, <laughs> raising kids, dealing with kids, and then having Dude, a- I treat my I, sometimes I talk to my toddlers like I'm talking to college age adults, man. Hey, that's good. <laughs> Keep them up. Yep. All right, so, man. Well, I, I don't know what they're you. gonna say about the battle log though, and I have an idea about spelling. I'll hit you offline. Yes, please do because I've got to get I've got to lock some of that down before I put this up and out because um yeah. <laughs> I don't just I don't just throw I'm not trying to be uh any of these 50s 50s uh R&B cats who just threw some stuff out there and then got jacked for it. Dude, and people like people are notorious on social media like if they'll steal the concept behind your tweet you know they would steal something like this. Yeah. <laughs> and I've seen people, like, I've seen people jack tweets from black women about social justice and then front it like it's their own. And I'll write back like, yeah, and it was really dope when Joan Morgan said it. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> like, don't act like you didn't see that because we can look at the timestamp and she said this at 3 o'clock and here you come at 3.05 trying to flip it and, and, trying and, to bounce, flip it and bounce it. Like, it. Like, and you know, you won't even let her get her shot. I love how you so, yeah, I gotta bring go it big back ghost to hip hop. I got to go big ghost on that. I'm like, yo, man, how you going to come flipping and bouncing the word and don't even let me get my shine? Know what I mean? Before I even get a chance to shine on my own shit. Right. I love it. Right. Oh, so, man. yeah, man, you got you to gotta protect your ideas, man. Protect your neck. Rule number one, protect your neck. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you making the time, staying up late. And I think we definitely got something here. Dre, I hope yeah, your yeah. Uh, date night went well, and you will happy be allowed wife, happy to come life. out and play. <laughs> East Coast Dre, come out and play. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, all right, man, I will catch you down the road, and uh, everybody else, the brackets, by the time you hear this, the brackets will be up at theliberator.com. Check it out. Hit us up on Twitter and uh, we'll be back with the battle. Peace. Peace. This ain't nothing but the ENT. Follow me into the sun and let your soul be free. The ENT. The ENT. The ENT. The ENT. The ENT. This ain't nothing but the ENT. Follow me into the sun and let your soul be free. Peace, 5,000 G.